Hello, welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. All right, just another reminder that we are in our kind of July modified format here on SBC This Week. Uh, Amy will be joining us later in the episode to give us our history moment, as well as to cover our resources of the week. We have a great interview this week with Todd Unzicker, the new North Carolina Baptist Executive Director in the great state of North Carolina, where Amy is, and a good friend of the pod, too. So Todd stopped by, talked to us, a good interview on uh, the future of North Carolina Baptist, as well as uh, just some things that he sees in the SBC, some encouragement uh, that he sees along the lines of leadership in the Southern Baptist Convention. So you do want to stick around for that interview. But first, we want to thank our sponsor, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, where you can get the theological training and the hands-on experience you need to thrive in ministry. The church needs leaders with deep theological knowledge and hands-on ministry experience. At Southwestern Seminary, you'll get both. The Southwestern faculty is dedicated to providing faithfully biblical teaching as well as walking alongside students as they grow in ministry. If you are called to serve God's church, then Southwestern is ready to help you live your calling. You can find out more at swbts.edu. That's swbts.edu for more information by our great friends over at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Got a couple of news items for you before we get into the interview with Todd Unzicker. A couple of people on the move, good friends of the pod. Jonathan Aiken is headed to Carson Newman as the Vice President for Church Relations and Campus Ministry. John has been at North American Mission Board for the past couple of years as their Director of Leadership Development and also leading the NAM Timothy Barnabas Institute which is uh, one of the most effective equipping and mentoring ministries for young pastors. So he's been over at NAM. He will transition away from that and head to Jefferson City, Tennessee, home of Carson Newman University as their new vice president for church relations and campus ministries and, and handle kind of the, the spiritual component of students' development there at the Baptist College up there in northeast Tennessee. So congratulations to John Aiken. Uh, like I said, good friend of the pod, and many of you know his uh, fam- whole family, really. I mean, uh, brother Nate, Tim, and Paul Aiken, all involved in Southern Baptist life. And of course, Father Danny Aiken, the president over at Southeastern Seminary in, in Charlotte, uh, his mother. So uh, a lot of you know the Aikens and know them well, and uh, congratulations out to John Aiken on that move. Also another move headed to Southwestern Seminary, good friend of the pod and former co-worker of the pod, literally, uh, George Schroeder. George has been running Baptist Press for the past couple of years, and he will head over to Southwestern as their new Associate Vice President for Institutional Relations at the seminary there in Fort Worth. So our good friends at Southwestern are getting a good one in George Schroeder. We're sad to see him leave us over at the Executive Committee, but excited for the future and what God is doing in his life as he uh, kind of finishes up his seminary degree over at Southwestern, uh, going to get his MDiv and work there at the seminary. So congratulations to George. We're going to miss him greatly over at the executive committee and uh, going to miss having him around, but uh, we are excited for him and his future. So just a couple of news notes, another slow news week this week, and that's going to drop us in to our interview with Todd Unzicker. Joining us this week on SBC This Week is Todd Unzicker. Todd is the new state executive director for North Carolina Baptist. Todd, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks, Jonathan. Great to be here with you and uh, excited about the new role. Now, you are what we call here a friend of the pod. 
Uh, we've known each other for quite some time and uh, got to know each other really over the last four or five years, and especially during your time with President J.D. Greer, the former Southern Baptist President uh, J.D. Greer. Immediate and uh, we'll talk president. a little about, huh? The immediate past president. Immediate past president, J.D. Greer, yes. We'll talk a little bit about that at the end and what you kind of learned and some of the things that you saw and, and got to see around you know the southern baptist convention in that time but tell us about your new role man so you just started literally like two weeks ago at the north carolina state baptist convention as their new executive director taking over for a kind of a legend milton yes. hollifield a legend a godly man a mentor a friend uh milton hollifield served in this role for this role for 19 and i think he was here another 10 before that as evangelism director so you know he's um Man, it's hard to find anything without his fingerprint on it. And uh, and I mean that in all the right way. He's still been a great friend, endorsed me for this, recommended. Um, and he and his family uh, will be out Western North Carolina. And so be a part of things and um, um, just want to build on his faithful legacy. Um, I uh, certainly believe God gave us a vision. Ashley and I started praying about this when some pastors asked us about it last fall. And uh, we sketched out some things, Jonathan, on a napkin of like what we thought the Holy Spirit was leading us to do. And um, here we are, and it's July and uh, hitting the ground running and uh, just been spending these first two weeks meeting with every single staff member individually, want to hear from them, get to know them better. And uh, so just um, just learning the system. Yes, absolutely. So I, I know you've got a big vision for North Carolina. So kind of tell us a little bit about that, what you have been kind of focusing on uh, maybe in these first two weeks, obviously you haven't been able to do too much, but I know you, you've had meetings, you're, you're talking, you're building the team out, those kind of things, working with the executive board. So, uh, you know, fill us in on kind of your vision and, and what, where you see God leading North Carolina Baptist. Yeah. I, um, what I told the search committee and um, what I told the executive committee of North Carolina and the board. And then when we had our annual meeting vote um, is um, if you want to know what North Carolina Baptist will be, with me in this role, we're going to be a movement of churches on mission together, uh, a movement of churches on mission together. We're not a denomination. We're not a Christian country club. We are a convention of independent autonomous churches um, that come together to be a movement of churches on mission together. We're a movement because Jesus said that his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And um, he said his kingdom is coming. And so I asked the question, you know, on if it's on earth as it is in heaven, why not in North Carolina as it is in heaven? Let's be a movement. The gospel is advancing. Um, we're going to be a movement of churches because we believe that the church is God's plan A. We're Baptists. And uh, the church is the bride of Christ and his plan A for reaching a lost world. So we're a movement of churches um, that are on mission. Um, our purpose, there's a lot of good things we could do, Jonathan, but we are going to be about planting churches. We're going to be about revitalization. We're going to be about sending missionaries and bringing relief, relief for today through um, uh, disaster relief and foster care and health and dental clinics and things like that, but hope for tomorrow in proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. And so um, we're going to be on mission. And the last thing is together. Uh, you guys talk about it on the podcast all the time. Sadly, together is not a word I would use to describe our culture. And even what's more sad is that instead of impacting this world for Christ, we are influenced um, by this world. And there's not a lot of togetherness that you see, certainly not on social media and a lot of places uh, in Baptist life. Um, but we're going to be together. Uh, we're unapologetically, we're about the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. 
Um, every one of the staff member, all the board members here, all our church plants, uh, that's not an issue for us. We're going to stand on the inerrant, infallible, all-sufficient word of God. Um, at the same time, uh, we're going to respect autonomy of local church and how p- that plays out and what emphasis um, that people have in that. Um, we're going to be together. We come together for the mission and uh, we're going to come together for, for a specific purpose. So we're going to be a, a movement of churches on mission together. Now, it should be no surprise if you're just listening to this interview that Todd has a missions background. Uh, you hear a lot of that language coming through already, but Todd, you know, kind of walk us through maybe your your journey, your spiritual journey. I know you came to faith late in life, or later in life, not late in life, but later in life. Uh, you know, Only didn't 45. grow up. I know. I was like, you didn't grow up, but my point is like, you didn't grow up in church. You get saved at VBS or something like that. You know, it, it happened later in life, and missions profoundly impacted kind of your trajectory and and how you see the Christian life. So walk us through a little bit of that. Tell us, you know, kind of your story and, and how missions in particular has really shaped how you see the church's mission. Yeah, I, it was fun. I got to, I just got to spend six hours with a room full of Asian and African and uh, Middle Eastern uh, pastors in North Carolina today and hearing their stories and how we can come alongside and be a movement church on mission. I told them, I guess I started following Jesus September 24th, 2004. And by September 1st of 05, so not even 12 months later, um, I found myself living in the mountains of Central uh, America uh, as a missionary, working with unreached people groups, hosting mission teams and um, providing, um, you know, starting a seminary ultimately. Um, and so two of my first three years as a follower of Jesus were not even in like this sort of like Baptist context. I didn't grow up in this world. Um, you know, this is certainly not on my radar. Um, and I'm here because I love it. I believe that when I look at the scriptures, uh, the Baptist faith and message most aligns. And so I'm here by choice. Um, but to me, um, I think a lot of Christians, a lot of churches, sadly, look at missions as a um, as a ministry of the church. Um, that was not how I was discipled. Uh, missions is not the SEAL Team 6 of Christianity. Um, missions is the call of every single believer. And if you're not called to go, then you better be called to send, or you better be called to um, um, give, or you better be called to pray, because we are all going to be part of um, the mission. And um, so it's just shaped who I am. I mean, I came off the mission field and became an associational missional strategist. And my role was to serve a majority bivocational guys uh, in normative sized churches. And we led them to adopt UPGs and work with church plants up in new England and things like that. Um, and then sources come into the summit church where I spent the last 10 years. Um, most of that time was being their sending pastor and mobilizing missionaries and planting churches and, uh, doing some local outreach. And so, um, it's just in my DNA. And I, um, I believe that North Carolina, uh, I think statistically I could say this, bro is, the most sending state. And I can promise you, we're going to pre- put the pedal to the metal on that. Well, you mentioned in your DNA, uh, you and I, we, we had a quick conversation about that before we, we did the podcast here and talking about the DNA that summit has kind of injected into, a, you know, hundreds of churches, you guys, you know, the goal by 2050 to plant a thousand churches around the world. I don't know where you guys are today on that, but I know it's like somewhere North of 400. You're, you're close to halfway, aren't you? Yes. 
Uh, I think it's like the total number of churches that somebody's planted U.S. and internationally is almost 500 right now. About okay. 468, 488, something like that, if I remember right. Hey, I don't work there anymore as of Oh, I know. I'm just saying, you know, hey, we'll have to get Amy to confirm that, right? Right. You know, she's that's, that's her job now to confirm that number. So we'll, we'll get on her about that. But but you guys, I mean, well on your way to that 1,000 by 2050. And, you know, here we are in 2021. And it just, you know, that, that DNA is being injected across the world. That That's sending DNA. Yeah. And, and I gotta how, how, how does that out. help? How does that kind of help your in your role at the at North Carolina? And I want to give a shout out. Sky Pratt was one of the first people that discipled me, and he is the uh, he has been the missions and collegiate pastor at Prince Avenue Baptist Church uh, outside of Athens, Georgia. Um, you know that guy has been sending more people per you know like per capita than anybody else I know in Baptist life. Um, and he discipled me, did our wedding. Um, you know, he just he taught me what it was like to live with revelation five in mind. I mean, why on the earth are we so bogged down into, um, and such fear? I mean, fear is just rampant in our tribe. And I'm like, guys, God's got this whole thing rigged and we win (laughs) and he gives it to us in his inerrant word. And so I want to, you know, tell those who are outraged on whatever the, whatever they're mad about on Twitter today, or whatever somebody's boogered up in our convention and things is happening. I'm like, we win. We get to be on the winning side. And we God does that by advancing the kingdom and declaring the hope that is found in Jesus Christ and demonstrating the love that he came to heal the sick. And we get to do that. And so um, whether that was at Summit, that was at Prince Avenue, or that was being in a an AMS in a rural context, I feel like all of those, Jonathan, is like helped prepare me Um I have a background with with smaller churches. I have a background with traditional um, larger churches, and I have a background with with multi site churches and work with NAM and IMB. And so, um, North Carolina, we're going to be a partner to all. Um, we're going to send all. We want to reach all. And so that's um, that's kind of what we want to do. Yeah, I feel like we need to give a shout out to Bonifay, Florida. By the way, oh Bonifay, where we were. Gosh, that's where Ashley and I were living. There, she was a children's pastor and. Uh, you know, Bonifay Strong. I love our peeps in Bonifay and uh, and uh, Bonifay, Florida's. Uh, Ashley and I got married and moved straight there after a honeymoon. And I was an AMS, and I'm still friends with those guys. We still go down there. And um, man, you look at a small rural association. I mean, there's only like three thousand people in that county. And last I counted, there are six IMB units on the field right now that come from that little area. By the way, all of those went on their first mission trip with me sometime like 15 years ago. And so you look at per capita, Holmes County, uh, Florida is sending them. And um, we we certainly love our time together with them. Well, I think that's a good reminder, though, because you have churches that are in these rural areas and maybe in North Carolina that think, oh, well, we'll never have a missionary come from this area. Well, look down here in Bonifay, Holmes County, you've got six IMB units from a, a very unlikely source. You know, if you just look at it demographically, that are that are serving around the world. I mean, why not? You know, Western North Carolina, the Appalachian foothills, or you know, Eastern North Carolina out there. You know, in the, kind of the, the somewhat low country. You know, that's South Carolina term, but you get my point. Out there, Greenville and beyond. Yep, yeah, the east of ninety-five. Uh, we we talk about that a lot. I mean, that was goal number one. Um, I actually need to talk to Dr. Chitwood and the IMB because I want to get a list of exactly this number. But um, 
I'm 99.9% sure that most units at the IMB are from the state of North Carolina. That's their sending church. Five of the top 10 are right here in Raleigh-Durham. Um, but we've got a goal here in North Carolina. We want to send 500 new missionaries to the field um, is what we're going to do uh, here in the next couple of years. That is very doable with things like a go-to initiative with NAM and IMB. Uh, we want to mobilize every single college graduate to the mission of God, whether on an overseas missionary team or here in the U.S. with a church plant. And uh, I know that uh, the, the messengers at the annual meeting uh, voted on Vision 2025 and part of the six initiatives there. Uh, one of them was sending five, um, 500 new missionaries. I, I actually told Dr. Floyd, he would tell you this, go ask him, uh, go, go upstairs and say, what did Todd say about that 500 goal? I told him North Carolina will take that one. Um, and so that's a goal of our sending 500 new missionaries, planting hundred churches, a, uh, new churches a year, um, and doubling our disaster relief force, um, which is really the tip of the gospel spear for a culture that is increasingly skeptical to the gospel. And so those are some goals that we've, um, got planned and, uh, we want to dive into. Yeah. Well, if you've got goal number one, I'll just talk to Nathan Lorick about goal number five and, and let him handle that, that 500 million from cooperative program. That sounds great. Texas is, yeah. is is so big; they can handle that. You tell Nathan. Uh, I'll take number <laughs> one. You take number five. There we go. Awesome. That, that sounds good. All right. A little bit. Of, speaking of other state execs, though, Nathan Lorick, the new state exec in Texas, just started the same day as you, actually, uh, July first. And you know, you just started here. We talked last week on the podcast. Damian Serencioni, Jeremy Westbrook. We've mentioned on the podcast over the last month or so in Ohio. So. Really, like the last four state execs that we've hired are kind of from a new generation, so to speak, uh, of, of leaders. Uh, a lot younger, a lot you know, different maybe perspectives and, and kind of products of the conservative resurgence, so to speak, instead of those kind of were alongside that. Talk a little bit about maybe just the, the different perspectives, maybe some of the younger state execs like yourself, like Nathan, like Jeremy, may be having toward the future of the Southern Baptist Convention. I, it encourages me. I, I don't, um, I know Jeremy and I know I've known Nathan for a long time. Uh, both those guys are sending guys. Um, and, uh, it excites me to come into this role and serve alongside them. It excites me to see, uh, I just, we had a board meeting, executive meeting here in North Carolina, and there are a lot of under 50 leaders that are coming and seeing the value of state conventions and the strategic nature. Um, that's, that really encourages me. Um, and I think you, you, you touch on this. We're a product of the conservative resurgence. And um, I have two theology degrees from CP funded institutions, a Baptist college and, a, and one of our seminaries. And I, um, I am grateful for that. I, I, I only know the inerrant, infallible, all sufficient word of God, Jonathan. Like there is not a um, moderate or liberal bone in my body because I got into this. Um, Christianity is just a dumb hobby to me. And if I'm not going to follow God's word, then I can think of a lot of other things I'd rather do on a Sunday morning. Um, and so um, I was talking to a pastor the other day who, you know, he didn't know who I was and he was concerned. He'd read a bunch of blogs and, you know, all these networks and bloggers and all this. And I just said to him, I said, hey, man, if you want a conservative Baptist, you've got it in Todd Unzicker. Um, I am, I, I believe in God's word and we're going to champion churches. And that's what I know of Nathan. That's what I know of Jeremy. I'm sure the new guy in Nevada is the same way. Um, I see this as a new day that there's a whole new generation. I mean, I even look at the annual meeting in Nashville 
you know, you look at the size of that. I mean, the annual meeting in the last 10 years is increasing and getting yeah. younger. And that's super encouraging. You're not going to get every vote to go your way. And that's okay because we're Baptists. That's what happens. But um, we are a convention that stands on the authority and inerrancy and infallibility and sufficiency of God's word. We send missionaries. We come together to plant churches and we come together to train up the next generation in our seminaries. And that excites people. And the more we talk about that, the more we talk about, um, you know, providing help for the hurting and the more diverse we become, um, I see a real excitement and I just believe our best days are ahead. Okay. A couple last questions. You mentioned diversity, North Carolina, many don't know North Carolina is the fourth most populous state when it comes to Hispanic churches in the Southern Baptist convention behind Florida, Texas, and California. So North Carolina right there at the top of that, near the top of that list. And also, I mean, we were talking a little bit before beforehand. There's a large Pakistani group in High Point, North Carolina. I mean, there's, you know, all the major cities in North Carolina, less than 50% Anglo. I mean, it's it's a very diverse state. Many people don't know that about it. But, you know, how does that factor into your leadership as well as kind of your direction and the, the mission of North Carolina Baptists together? Yeah, so I, this goes back to what I was super abundantly clear with the search committee the first time I met them and told them, you know, this is right, this is important. Our four largest cities in North Carolina are less than 50% white. That's our four largest and our fastest growing. And North Carolina is one of the top housing markets in the country. Everybody's coming here. Um, and by the way, if you want to come here, hit me up at ToddNCBaptist.org and we'll plug you in on being on mission together. Um, but anyway, um, I just look at this as we better reflect who our mission field is, Jonathan. And if nearly one third of our state are going to be Spanish speakers, then we had better start um, speaking the heart language and we better start producing things. And so, um, you know, our vision summary doc, um, I put that into Spanish that um, Bautistas del Carolina del Norte Estamos un movimiento de iglesias en misión juntos, and that we're going to do everything we do in English and in Spanish right out of the chute. Um, I had a six-hour meeting today. It was the first one with outside pastors with international guys, um, guys from Asia, um, from sub-Saharan Africa, from Central Asia and the Middle East, and to be in a room full of North Carolina pastors, all from different um, parts of the world, to hear their stories I had several of them say, Todd, if you'll give me what their convention's producing, one guy says, I'll produce it in Urdu. Another guy says, I'll do it in Korean. And so um, wouldn't it be really neat, Jonathan, to see um, our convention not only reflect the diversity God's giving us as our mission field, but be just a little foretaste of what the Apostle John saw in the in the book of Revelation when people of every nation and tribe and tongue um, and language would be around the throne saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and honor and riches and might. That's that's what we're going to be about in North Carolina. I guess we're going to have to start SBC esta semana before long. Me gusta mucho. <laughs> I had to look that up, man. Don't even don't even oh, start with me on Google that. Google Translate so, helped you. Yes, it did. Uh, yeah, I had to look that up. But uh, you, you'll have to help me with the Spanish stuff. I, that's not my forte at uh, all. I'll call Felix Cabrera with Sin Puerto Rico or Edgar Aponte down at Idaho. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Miguel Echeverria, somebody. Yeah. Good North Juan Carolina Baptist there. Right. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll get somebody on that right away. So, I right, well, got Julio right upstairs, man. I'll, I'll have there him you on. Go. He'll sing there it though. Go. He'll sing it in Spanish. Even better. 
Even better. I mean, what's better than you know, speaking in Spanish is singing in Spanish. All right. Last question for you here. And you, you mentioned we talked about it at the top of the episode with, with J.D. Greer over the past three years. A little bonus year in there for you, Todd, um, that you spent with him and his time as president of the Southern Baptist Convention. Just give me a couple of maybe anecdotes or things that you saw over those three years that are like really encouraging to you about the future of the Southern Baptist Convention. I mean, you, you talked about how the convention is getting larger, getting younger, the annual meetings that are getting larger and getting younger. I think that's, that's something Amy and I have talked about. We think that's something that's great. We're all for that. But what are some of the other things that you saw over those three years with JD that it really excites you about the future of the Southern Baptist Convention? So when I look at our Baptist world, uh, if you look at it simply through social media, the Facebook groups and Twitters and networks and bloggers and whatever else. It looks like another train wreck. And it is, it's disgusting. It's awful. 90% of it is lies. What is true is exaggerated and always assigned with the worst motives. And until we purge ourselves from that stuff, we're going to always have this problem. And sadly, I think there's some that like that. What I came away most encouraged is um, the last three years traveling around the country hitting up uh, the majority of state conventions, talking with many associations, uh, missionaries, church planners. Um, Jonathan, people are excited to tell people and reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Most people aren't like what Twitter and social media and these networks and whatever groups are out there, whatever, they're not real life. And um, most people are not that way. Uh, there are a lot of people who are living fearful, and I just remind them that God did not give us the spirit of fear. So if it didn't come from God and someone's speaking and it gets an audience scared, where's that coming from? And so uh, we win. Um, we can see that our convention is um, has a lot of things that we need to change, absolutely. Um, but look at all the changes. Do you realize in three years, Jonathan, how many entity head leaders have we had different in the three years that J.D. Greer was president? All right. Well, we can count them up. We got Southwestern and New Orleans both changed. Lifeway, Lifeway, EC, ERLC. That's five. IMB is six. Guidestone, Guidestone seven. Yeah, that was announced. I don't think Sandy during your. I think she came before, right before. Yeah, Sandy was there at WMU. Okay. Yeah. So seven out of the thirteen. So that's more than half. Yes. And here's the great thing. If anybody wants to say, oh, you know, I'm worried about liberalism. I'm worried that there's new leadership that's going liberal. I'm always like, okay, well, which one of those seven? We just changed more than half of our entities, which is the biggest change in the history of our convention. I'd have to get Amy on that to confirm that. But let's be honest. At least we had five open at one time. Remember, I was like only the second time that it ever happened. And when it happened before, we had like 30 things, you know, out there. We had all those commissions or whatever. So more than half of our institutions and agencies and seminaries, uh, more than half were open at one time. All were replaced by people who believe in the inerrant, infallible, all-sufficient word of God, who staunchly hold to the Baptist faith and message 2000. Anytime someone says, oh, I'm worried about liberalism and there's liberals in the leadership. And I'm always like, who is Dr. Floyd liberal? No, it's not. Is Paul Chitwood liberal? Of course not. No. Is Adam Greenway? No. Jamie Duke? No. Ben Mandrell? No. I'm leaving somebody out. No offense. But anyway. Hans Dillbeck. Hans Dillbeck. Come on. No. Um, you know, I look at all the state execs. You know, when those guys look around the room, they're like, none of us are liberal. Uh, Ray Gentry and the Associational Fellowship, by God's grace, all of them hold to 
God's word. And so I think the future is as bright as the promises of God. I think as long as we stay focused on his word, we say kind with one another. Truth and love are not in opposites. Uh, but one without the other is bad because, um, you know, truth without love is just rabid fundamentalism. And I sadly see that on the rise and it's tied with some pseudo political stuff. But and in love know, without truth is that's progressivism vapid, and vapid sentimentality. Yeah. yeah. And, and, yeah. and Jesus was the embodiment of truth and love. And so, um, you know, we're going to keep preaching Jesus and keep loving people. Awesome. Well, Todd, I appreciate you coming on today. Please say hello to our favorite unzicker. And that would be Ashley. Yes, and, uh, and, and we'll see you soon, man. And ncbaptist.org. Uh, man, we want folks to come join us. We're going to be moving to churches on mission together. We are excited and love what you do, Jonathan, and all your listeners. All right. And that's going to bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. All right. We're going to go back to 1948. And it was the uh, Baptist Press issue of July 16th. And it shows that they were announcing Southern Baptists, um, these were the leaders of the SBC, were announcing a day of prayer. It was going to be at Ridgecrest. It was scheduled for August 28th. And uh, it was it was really called initially it was by Dr. Holcomb, T.L. Holcomb from the Baptist Sunday School Board. So, you know, from our Lifeway days, hearing that name in history. Mm -hmm. And Duke McCall was at the executive committee at that time, which he later left to go to Southern Seminary. But he was executive secretary of the SBC executive committee. Um, Dr. Holcomb had issued the call. Dr. McCall was going to be leading it. And Dr. Holcomb said, the world is going through a destiny determining period. Because of our message, our numbers, and our territory at home and abroad, Southern Baptists have a great responsibility. We desperately need and earnestly desire the leadership and power of the Holy Spirit to match the task. And so they had set those up, and they would also ask people. They were going to have a special service at Ridgecrest, but then they were asking everyone to join in prayer for our churches and for our denomination as we begin the fall's work. And so I was really interested in that because we're seeing that a lot. We've had several, you know, calls to prayer even over the last year. Calls by uh, J.D. Greer when he was the the president of the SBC, by Ronnie Floyd as president of the executive committee. We had the um, the the event you remember last year from North Carolina, prayer on the mountain. So lots of things going on as well as the National Day of Prayer. Yeah. Well, that B twenty one has had some stuff there webcast. We had a prayer event right before the annual meeting this year. That's right. Well, that exact thing was going on. So looking back and even thinking about what was happening in 1948 in our country and in the world, that was in the middle of a presidential election. Harry Truman was president. So this is in the middle of a presidential election. This is just a few years after. Um, he was about to be defeated by Thomas Dewey. Well, according to some people, yes, but not everyone. <laughs> according to one newspaper. That's right. But not everyone. Um, but, you know, this is on the heels of World War Two. It's on the heels of uh, still, I mean, you know, the Great Depression is still very clear in people's minds. Um, the Cold War is kind of beginning. The uh, the tensions were happening with the Soviet Union at at the time. So that was sort of building in the aftermath of 
World War II. At the time, or right after this was announced, um, President Truman signed Executive Order 9981, which ended racial segregation in the U.S. Armed Forces. So, obviously, issues of segregation in areas, certainly it was 20 years later that it was really, you know, heated up, but that was being addressed. So, a lot of things were going on at that time, a lot of tensions, and people were feeling it just like we feel about things now. Um, other things that might have been on folks' mind was also the, the Marshall Plan, so giving aid for a number of other countries, so sort of a global a global feeling as well. So just a lot of things are happening, uh, care for other countries, but also tension with um, the spread of communism and concern about that. But what did Southern Baptists do? They said, we need to remember who we are, what our role is, and where our hope comes from. And so I just thought it was really interesting that we are often talking about this. We are often experiencing sort of uh, calls to prayer, and they were doing it in 1948, this week in SBC history. All right. Well, that's neat. So, uh, and you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we have some calls to prayer before the end of this year, you know, maybe a prayer event or two, an online prayer event, those kind of things. So we'll have to see if any of those come to fruition between now and next annual meeting. I'm, I'm pretty sure they will, actually. So, all right. Well, that's going to bring us to our resources of the week. Amy, your resource of the week is? It's a new book by Heather Day. She is a communications professor at, I believe, Colorado Christian University, and it's called It's Not Your Turn, What to Do While You're Waiting for Your Breakthrough. Um, I have a lot of friends who are talking about this book, um, sort of the idea of uh, she asks the question, what do you do when it seems like everybody else is getting their dreams and you're not? It is a book that is written for those who struggle with comparison, with the desire for instant gratification, um, and how we can trust God in, in what he's doing in us and through us. And so I've been hearing great things about this, a lot of people talking about it. And I, um, so as, as we've said, we're recording this early because I'm on a little hiatus and this should be dropping while I'm finishing up my vacation. So I probably will have even read it on vacation because I have it come into my house. So great. Right. It looks like a great well, let's book. See. I, you know, I teach a, a Sunday school class of young single professionals. Yes. And this actually sounds like it would hit in the sweet spot of a lot of them. Yep. And it's a, that's a great title. Because a lot of it's, them, they, they, that, that is a very, a very prominent thought yeah. or, or, you know, just kind of line of thinking here today in uh, younger generations, especially those who you know, may be single. Uh, and I kind of deal with that on a weekly basis is when we're teaching. So, you know, it's something that's kind of front and foremost in a lot of their minds. So, uh, very good resource, very good resource. All right. I also have a book this week as my resource of the week, and it's a new book from Patrick Schreiner, uh, up at Midwestern. Patrick Schreiner has a new book out called the visual word. Have you seen this, Amy? I've seen pictures of it. I heard about it. Oh, it's gorgeous. I saw it a couple of weeks ago at the NRB convention that I went to, they had a, uh, a sample of that at the Moody booth and was able to see it. It is visual outlines of the entire book of the New Testament. So like uh, there is a sample online. If you go to the product page that I, I shared in the, the resource notes, there's a sample online uh, that uh, shows Matthew and Ephesians and Hebrews and just shows you kind of like the outlines of the book and, and 
represents them in a visual way. It's just spectacular. So very cool stuff. And um, I, I highly recommend it. New book from Patrick Schreiner up at Midwestern. He's uh, one of the professors at Midwestern. Uh, runs their, I think, PhD program up there at Midwestern. And um, son of Thomas Schreiner. I know many of you know Dr. Schreiner from his time at Southern. Been there, seems like forever. But um, he's uh, Patrick is his son. And a great new book from him and Moody Publishers called The Visual Word. Very cool. Got to get a copy of that. It, I saw it. I didn't get a copy. I should have just taken a copy from the booth. They offered it, but I was like, I don't have space for a big hardback book. Wait a minute. But, you got offered this book for free? Yeah. What were you thinking? I, I, I just said, I told you what I was thinking. I don't have space for a big I, hardback book, man. My, my backpack was packed. I accept all free books regardless of my interest level, but certainly if it's one that looks amazing. That's yeah. yeah I, I okay. So speaking of accepting free books, you got a free book a couple of weeks ago at the annual meeting. Yes, I did. So I got a surprise, something that someone brought to you. So some of our listeners, um, Jen McCraw, is who I think came and brought this to you. Um, she okay. she and her husband are good friends of the pod now, and their son Jer- yes they are yes, and their son Jeremiah is eleven years old. And they were talking because they were cleaning out some books and they listened and, and she mentioned that she heard on the SBC This Week podcast that I love the history of the First Ladies. And Jeremiah said, because this was in a letter that came with it, well, you can give her this book if you want. And so I love it because she brought it to the annual meeting and, and gave it to me and it's got all these pictures in it. And here's the great thing. So my library of first lady biographies, which includes ones that do history of all first ladies and it includes like individual biographies. I think I'm in the eighties now with it. Um, but I did not have this one. So it was not a duplicate. It was one I had never seen before. And I love it because it's got lots of pictures in it. So I'm pretty pumped because, uh, the Macraws and I've, it, it's been a crazy season kind of getting settled back since we got here, but I'm going to be reaching out as well and see if maybe I can even catch up with Jeremiah and say thank you. Um, because they're awesome. And that was my free book. Now I found a place to put that in my luggage. So if I get a free book, I find a way to have it. Well, uh, okay. You got nothing. That's fair. You're sw- that, but that's a little bit more sentiment. Like I have nothing. I have, cannot compete with this. You've got me. And that was a, really a touching moment. Um, Jen found me and made sure that I got that and gave it to you. And I was, I was, I was really touched. I know you were Oh, um, by that gesture. Totally. So that, that was just really cool. So uh, yes, be it known. That at least one of us will accept free books at any time. And the other one, it depends on how much stuff he's got to lug around. Yes. So, yeah. I will find a way. <laughs> I will find a way. And actually, we've been known, the Whitfields have been known, there was a used bookstore that's closed down now in San Diego. It's our favorite used bookstore that we ever went to. So we were very sad. And it actually had one of the greatest choices of first lady biographies of any used bookstore. So I would hit the mother load when I would go there. And then we would actually ship boxes of books back to our house from this place in San Diego. Wow. wow. So it's just what the Whitfields do. Hmm. Yep. It is what the Whitfields do. All right. 
Okay, well, that's going to do it for us this week here on the podcast. Uh, another great interview this week. We'll have another one for you next week. Again, thanks to our sponsors, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, each and every week here on the podcast. And Amy, I'll see you next week. See you next week. See you next week.